Hello, amazing humans, and welcome to What's the Scoop on Scroop, an inclusive interfaith podcast that explores the intersection between faith and OCD. I'm your host, Reverend Katie O'Dunn, an ordained minister and interfaith chaplain who navigates OCD personally and supports individuals across religious and spiritual traditions on their journey with scrupulosity each day. This podcast focuses on the power of storytelling, empathy, and unity. And through our conversations, we'll create a space where diverse experiences are shared and valued. And where we always remember that faith and mental health do not have to be mutually exclusive. Join me on the first Monday of each month for captivating interviews with insightful experts in the field and inspiring individuals who share their lived experiences. And on the third Monday, I'll dive into different perspectives on faith, OCD, scrupulosity, and even taboo intrusive thoughts in faith communities, making sure to answer all of your questions. Together, we'll leave no stone unturned, exploring evidence-based treatments and taking a leap of faith along the way. So let's come together. Let's support one another. And let's begin to curiously ask the question, what really is the scoop on Scroop? Hello and welcome to episode two, what really is the scoop on Scroop? I want to spend just a little bit of time today talking about some of the nuts and bolts of OCD and scrupulosity and defining terms. And whether you are someone who is new to these concepts or these are familiar to you, I hope that you get something out of this as we step forward with this podcast and really understanding this intersection between faith and OCD. Now, I'm going to go ahead and assume that if you listen to the first episode of the podcast, you are aware that OCD is not a cute quirk as defined in the media. There's really nothing cute. There's nothing quirky. There's nothing that we like about OCD. Actually, it's a debilitating disorder defined by unwanted obsessions that terrify the sufferer and compulsions completed over and over to alleviate the fear, guilt, or anxiety that's coming up. Some obsessions might relate to the more commonly known themes of contamination or organization, while others might relate to more taboo, violent, or sexual themes, which are just as common for sufferers. And if you listened to the first episode, you heard me talk about my own experience with these. Regardless, I think it's really important to note that the themes that generally stick are the ones that are the most significant to the sufferer. The disorder has a habit of kind of hijacking your values and morphing them into your worst nightmare. On a biological level, we all have thoughts, right? We have happy, sad, violent, intrusive, strange, whatever that looks like. But folks with OCD tend to place more value on our thoughts. We might become really concerned that even in all of their ridiculousness, there's a small possibility that they could be true. And that's terrifying, right? So when the time spent experiencing these obsessions and engaging in compulsions impedes functionality, that's when it crosses over into a disorder. That's when we call it OCD. Now, 
getting into what's the scoop on scroop? What's the scoop on scrupulosity? So if you're wondering what scroop is, that is scrupulosity. That's why um, we are defining this podcast as what's the scoop on scroop? Sometimes scrupulosity is really long to say. So sometimes in this area, we just say scroop. Um, and it's really a subtype of OCD. Um, now, when I talk about OCD, when I talk about different subtypes, I like to say OCD is OCD is OCD. Um, it's really kind of gross and nasty ice cream that happens to come in lots of different gross and nasty artificial ice cream flavors. But it still all comes back to the fact that it's just OCD. It's the doubting disorder. It's doubting the things that are the most significant, that are the most important to you. When we're thinking about scrupulosity in particular, it's a subtype of OCD that involves religious or moral obsessions. So scrupulous individuals might be concerned that they thought or did something that is a sin that's in violation of a doctrine, that's in violation of something related to their, their faith or even just their moral code. And yet, I think it's really important to note that this is not an issue of faith, it's not an issue of religiosity or spirituality, but rather it's just another form of OCD. Again, another gross artificial ice cream flavor. I know we were saying before that OCD latches on to the things that are the most significant and important to a person. So it makes sense that, of course, if their faith is important, if their religion, if their spirituality is important, that OCD can in fact, latch on to that in some really, really big ways. Um, I think it's important to note that someone also doesn't need to be religious for religious scrupulosity to impact them. Um, I work with lots of folks who are atheist or agnostic or humanist that still have scrupulosity, that have concerns about religion, um, about morality, that actually sometimes worry, well, what if I am wrong about not worshiping in this particular faith tradition. What if something bad happens? And that can become completely and utterly debilitating in life as well. So this podcast will focus mainly, uh, I guess I say mainly, we'll see how it unfolds. I guess there's uncertainty around that, but mainly on religious scrupulosity. But moral scrupulosity will definitely come up to course, that is, if you listen to the first episode, a huge subtype for me. And if I'm honest, it continues to be the one that I struggle the most with. I'm in a solid place with my recovery, but the things that still come up are around, well, what if people don't like me? What if, what if I'm secretly a bad person? What if I did something immoral? What if I offended someone? Oh my goodness. All of these things come up. But today in particular, we're going to go ahead and start defining religious scrupulosity, what that particularly looks like. Um, it's something that is talked about more now in the OCD community, but I think it's still something that sometimes folks are a little bit uncomfortable talking about because there's this fear around, um, I don't know, sometimes talking about religion or spirituality if we don't fully understand that. And it's one of the reasons that I am so incredibly passionate about discussing this subtype because I don't want there to be shame around talking about it. It's just OCD. It's just OCD. And yet I think it's also really important to validate an individual's experience with their faith as we discuss this subtype. Um, so OCD or religious scrupulosity can look really different across different faith traditions. Again, as I'm going to say over and over again, it's all OCD though, not a product of faith. It's an OCD issue. It's not a faith issue. 
But I want to give a few examples of some of the things that might pop up. Now, it is not limited to the things that I'm going to name right now because <laughs> OCT really is only limited by our imagination, right? Um, any what if that you could possibly imagine could become an obsession. But um, when we think of, of religious scrupulosity, some of the common things that I tend to see within Christianity are, what if I committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Well, what if, what if I'm doomed for hell? What if I gave my soul to Satan? There, there are lots of things like this. What if I didn't follow scripture correctly? What if I um, somehow committed a sin by not following scripture correctly? What if, what if I unintentionally lied? Or what if by looking at that person, I committed adultery? These are all things that I hear kind of in the context of, of Christianity. Within Judaism, what if I've broken a religious law? What if I am not fasting appropriately during Yom Kippur? What if I'm not fully following dietary restrictions? What if, what if I'm praying incorrectly? What if I'm engaging in ritual incorrectly? In Hinduism, what if I pronounce the shlokas incorrectly? What if I wasn't fully engaged in performing puja? Or maybe what if I've impacted or done something that impacted my progress during Dharma? In Buddhism, what if I didn't have pure intention alongside that action? Well, what if I have negative karma? Or what if it isn't even possible to stop suffering? What if I am not fully living my life in a compassionate manner? Or in Islam, what if I am not fully pure from ritually washing? What if I smiled involuntarily during Juma? What if I am not fully focused on the divine in all that I do? And then in non-theism, when we're talking about atheism, agnosticism, well, what if I'm wrong in my beliefs? What if everyone thinks that I'm a bad person? What if I, I really should be engaging in religious practice? What if something bad happens to me because I don't? Now, these are just a few examples, just a few examples. It is not limited to this at all, which is why um, starting in um, two episodes, I'm going to have some amazing human beings from different faith backgrounds and different expertises on the podcast each and every month to talk about how this might show up in different faith traditions. But I'm hoping as you heard from different backgrounds, um, some some ties, right? Some similarities. And yes, there are, um, as I used to tell my students when I taught comparative religions, I actually think it's really cool that we can um, believe in the divine and worship in uniquely beautiful, awesome ways. It's what makes the world so beautiful, which so it means, of course, OCD is going to show up in different ways across faith traditions. But I also think you might see some commonalities in this. And, and there's something not reassuring, so we don't want reassurance, but affirming sometimes of hearing from folks from different faith backgrounds that might be experiencing similar things to you, reminding you that, again, it's not a faith issue. It's an OCD issue. It's an issue of uncertainty, right? It's about a disorder that makes it feel like you have to have certainty when there is none. Now, the compulsions that come up because of these obsessions look really similar across different faith traditions and, of course, can take on different forms, but it can look like excessive displays of devotion. 
It might be reassurance seeking from religious leaders or sacred texts, which is one of the reasons that I, again, I'm so passionate about this topic because of wanting to let religious leaders know that reassurance is, is not helpful for OCD, right? There might be avoidance of religious texts or practices who kind of on the other end, not wanting to engage in those things, even if they're value driven. Sometimes there's excessive cleansing or purity rituals or confession to the divine or to religious leaders or excessive prayer completed to perfection. Um, I often see, especially if someone gets an intrusive thought in the midst of prayer, it's, oh, I need to do this over and over again until it feels right or until it feels pure. So, so many different forms that this can take on. And what ends up happening is it's no longer about the person's faith. It's no longer about their religion. It's no longer about their spirituality. Um, and this might sound weird for me to say, but I really believe this. When it's an issue of scrupulosity, it's no longer about worshiping the divine. It actually becomes kind of about worshiping OCD. Um, and that sounds really strange. You think often OCD likes to mask as God or mask as faith or religion or spirituality. And OCD says, oh, but you have to do all of these things to be really, really faithful. When in reality, engaging in all of those things is actually taking you away from engaging in your faith, from worshiping the divine. That's a really sad thing. So when I work with folks, we often talk about how do we separate out? healthy faith from OCD. And I really believe that healthy faith is something that we're saying, oh, this brings me joy, this brings me meaning, this brings me connection or hope, I want to engage in this way. And with OCD, there's this level of urgency, of guilt, shame, fear. You might be saying, I feel like I have to get this right because I'm supposed to as a part of my faith. Those two things are really different. And sometimes I'll get the question, um, you know, it can be value driven to pray from a space of fear, which is very true. Um, I got the question in a workshop I was doing one time that said, okay, if someone is praying because they're afraid when a plane is going down, it doesn't mean because that person, that doesn't mean that person has OCD. And I completely and absolutely agree with that. But here's the thing. They are praying because they're afraid and are looking to get back to a sense of comfort and meaning. They're not praying because they're afraid of not praying in that moment. <laughs> there's a distinction. There's, there's a difference. Praying when you're afraid to find meaning is different from being terrified of not praying because you think if you don't, something horrible is going to happen. There's a distinction there. And that's why I think treatment in this area is so important. Um, I think it can seem really tough. It can seem really, really challenging because often for individuals, they have been told, whether it's in faith communities or in other spaces, um, when their religious scrupulosity isn't understood, they may have been told, well, if you just pray harder, if you just engage in your faith traditions a little bit more, then, then you'll feel better. And it's actually the opposite, right? The more that we continue to feed the OCD with compulsions and in all of the ways that I described and in many that I didn't describe, OCD gets a lot stronger. Um, OCD increases its grasp and we end up kind of worshiping OCD even more in a space that we don't want to. And that's really tough. So this is why I'm so passionate about treatment. I'm so passionate about evidence-based treatment for OCD and really believe that through evidence-based treatment, 
individuals can reclaim their lives, can actually get back to a healthy version of faith. So when we're talking about OCD, exposure and response prevention is considered the first line gold standard treatment for, um, for OCD. And it really involves um, leaning into the things that you're fearful of, engaging in exposures, whether they are in vivo or imaginal, with a trained specialist, with a licensed provider, doing things that you might be afraid of. And in the case of scrupulosity, that might mean doing some things that you're afraid of about faith, right? That might mean praying imperfectly. That might mean allowing intrusive thoughts to be there um, as you're engaging in practice. Um, it, you know, We're going to get into more examples in the podcast, but I think it looks a little bit different for each and every person. And um, I often talk about the fact that engaging in ERP does not mean that you're going to be asked to do something to oppose your faith tradition. That's not it at all. And actually, a lot of the work that I do alongside clinicians is helping to develop culturally responsive exposures. And when trying to figure out what this looks like for somebody, I often ask, um, why don't you want to do this exposure? We are never going to really want to do an exposure. I've never had an experience in my own treatment where I walked in and said, yes, I am so excited. I get to do this really hard exposure today. Yeah, mm, no, probably not. But the question, why don't you want to do the exposure, becomes really significant, becomes really important. If the answer is, well, I'm really scared something bad might happen, probably a good exposure to do, right? It's coming from this space of fear that we talked about. But if it's, well, I don't want to do that because no one in my faith tradition would do this. It opposes my faith. That might be um, an exposure that you wouldn't be asked to do. Now, this can be really tough for the person with OCD to navigate, which is why um, it can be really great to bring in a faith leader who's knowledgeable in OCD. Again, that's the work I often do alongside treatment teams. Um, and it, But I think it's it's really important to have these conversations where individuals know that they are going to be asked to do some really tough things, but not things that go against or oppose their tradition. Um, and with this, I often think of this idea of discomfort versus disrespect. You're going to be asked to do some things that make you uncomfortable, but not something that disrespects your tradition, not something that, you know, 80% of others in your tradition wouldn't do. Um, I, I think that that is a really, really good way to, to kind of frame that and to kind of look at it. But as you go through ERP, and I guess I mentioned the exposure part and not so much the response prevention part, the response prevention is so key. You're going to be engaging in these exposures, engaging in these things that you're fearful of, while not engaging in those compulsions that we've mentioned, not trying to decrease that fear, that guilt, that shame, that anxiety. And the RP, that response prevention component is so ridiculously important. Um, Dr. Emily Bailey, who's a good friend who will be on the podcast sometime in the near future, actually talks about little e and big RP. And I absolutely love this, where it's doing exposures that are, are manageable, but really focusing on the response prevention. That was actually, in my own journey, a really, really tough point where um, I was doing these big, huge exposures, but then wasn't doing the response prevention. I was still ruminating. I was still engaging in compulsions. And I wondered, well, why am I not getting better? And it was actually because I was still continuing to feed the OCD. Again, the only thing OCD eats is compulsions. And if we continue to feed it, even while doing exposures, it's not really going to budge. 
But by engaging in that response prevention, oh my goodness, that's huge. And that can also feel really scary, again, with scrupulosity. It's like, well, how can I not ask for forgiveness when I just did this really hard exposure? But that's actually how we make OCD smaller. And I deeply believe that ERP, that evidence-based treatments for OCD, don't oppose your faith. Actually, they help you to return to a value-driven, healthy, meaningful version of your faith, or maybe to get to that place for the very first time. I believe that you can actually become more connected to the divine, to your faith practices by engaging in treatment. It's one of the reasons that in my doctoral work right now, I'm looking at reimagining ERP and evidence-based treatments as spiritual practices, where we get to stop worshiping OCD and actually get back to a space, or again, get to the space for the first time, where we are actually worshiping the divine from a space of meaning, from a space of hope, from a space of connection. And that is truly a beautiful thing. Now, this in and of itself can be really, really tough. And I want to highlight, this isn't going to be a big component of today's episode, but it is something that I want to talk about. There are additional components that come up for people outside of just OCD, like religious trauma and adverse religious experiences. I think it's particularly tricky when someone is predisposed to OCD and might grow up in a faith community where they do experience religious trauma or where they hear from the pulpit the same things that their OCD is telling them. You're kind of getting it from multiple angles. And that is so tough. And it makes so much sense why, in a lot of those cases, individuals leave faith communities. Um, And I think that that is a unique and very personal decision for each person. Um, I would never, ever judge someone for making the choice to leave a community that wasn't safe for them. I want everyone to be in a safe and inclusive space where they are affirmed for the awesomely unique individuals that they are. Um, But I also never want OCD to be the driving factor for someone um, not engaging in a faith tradition. I never want it to be from a space of avoidance if it's something that's meaningful for them. Um, So I want to talk about all of these components on, on future episodes. And especially, I think it's important to note that there are cases where individuals need to, in addition to ERP, navigate and seek treatment and seek support on that trauma side or engage in deconstruction. These are things that are really important to talk about to you that will be a part of this podcast. But today, I at least wanted to give you a little bit of a foundation on scrupulosity, on what scrupulosity is, on why in the world we're talking about this, um, what really is the scoop on scroop, all of that kind of stuff. I want to start to wrap up this little description here by talking with you a little bit about what I call the recovery trinity. Um, And that does sound Christocentric in language. Um, I'm mindful of that. Um, And and all faith backgrounds, as as I say, often are really important to me in interfaith and interreligious work. But this has just been something meaningful to me on, on my journey. And I often think of this as faith in three different areas. Faith in treatment, Right? We have to take this leap of faith often in treatment that can feel really, really tough, that can feel really scary. Faith in yourself, right? Faith in ourself, which can come in the form of self-compassion and whew, also saying, you know what, I'm going to trust my ability in this moment, regardless of what OCD says. 
and also faith in the divine or faith in the greater good, as Shala nicely puts it. All three of these things are so important, I think, for individuals navigating treatment. Um, again, faith in your treatment or in your provider, faith in yourself, and faith in something meaningful to you, whether that's the divine or the greater good in the world. Those three pieces coming together were incredibly significant for me in, in my own journey. And um, I actually think that the part that was the toughest <laughs> in some ways was the faith in self piece, where for such a long time, I believe that it wasn't possible for me or that that mine was different, that I didn't deserve to get better, that I couldn't do it, that I was the only minister out there who was struggling with these intense taboo intrusive thoughts. And I was wrong. And that took an aspect of faith that took really leaning in for the very first time. Um, and that also took treatment. And treatment very much saved my life. But also, as I talked about today, helped me to get back to a healthy sense of faith. Um, in the work that I do with scrupulosity, I really have yet to see someone navigate treatment and decide to walk away from faith because of treatment. It's, it's actually very much the opposite. It's folks figuring out what do they actually believe for them in a way that isn't defined by their OCD. And that's pretty cool. <laughs> I think that's, that's actually pretty amazing and really does make OCD treatment an element of a spiritual practice. So thank you so much for letting me or allowing me or just being here uh, with me as I, I give some some intro terms and some intro descriptions on, on what some of this looks like. I am so excited to have lots of experts on and individuals with lived experience and faith leaders on to talk about more specifics about what scrupulosity might look like in different faith traditions but also treatment, um, talking more about ERP, also talking about acceptance and commitment therapy, which I am um, a huge proponent of this idea that moving towards our values, running towards our values is such a significant part of treatment, regardless of how we're feeling. Um, I know I'll also get into that more along the lines of ACT really being the spiritual component. It's a lot of what my doctoral work is on as well, um, but also other treatment modalities, other experiences that people have. I want folks as they listen to this podcast to not only understand what is the scoop on scrupulosity, what is it, but also to know that they're not alone, that they can, in fact, engage in their faith community while seeking life-saving evidence-based treatment that can help them stop worshiping OCD and actually reconnect with God in big, beautiful, awesome ways. So thank you so much for being here with me today on this second episode and on letting me for letting me give some some background on these topics. And please, if you have questions moving forward, we're kind of through the first intro episodes. Um, the first Monday of, of each month will be an episode where I'm going to have a guest on and we're going to chat about all things group. But the third Monday of each month. I'm going to be on here answering your questions, talking about things that come up in my own journey and working with individuals navigating faith, OCD, all the things. Um, and I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you want to know about as we really navigate what's the scoop on Scroop. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you learned a little more about the scoop on Scroop sending you so much love wherever you are in the journey. 
And as always, I encourage you to stick with the ick and keep running towards your values as you move toward the big, beautiful, awesome life you were created to live.